We're back for season six of my podcast. I'm all about putting the human factor back into business by helping organisations become places where people are happy, well and able to perform at their best. And that's what my guests shed light on with their expertise and experience. As those who know me will be very familiar with, my mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. And that means we'll be covering a whole range of topics that impact on employee experience, engagement and mental well-being. And many of you will know that I hate tick boxes. So we'll be kicking those out, getting beneath the surface of shiny new initiatives, stripping back layers of complexity and going back to the fundamentals of good business. That's the people. This series runs alongside the launch of Leadership Labs and Manager Labs that I'm excited to be facilitating with the fabulous Gemma Ellison of Heart Leadership. These are interactive and dynamic communities that turn typical L&D on its head. If you are a manager or leader and want an opportunity to problem solve, challenge the status quo, experiment and evaluate all within a small supportive group, get in touch. More information and contact details are in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Lisa, psychologist, psychotherapist and founder of It's Time for Change. Thank you for joining me on Beyond the Water Cooler. This is something a bit different. Amantha King and I are here to talk about something that we are super excited about. The Resilience Collective Mental Health Insights, Strategies and Tools Through the Lens of a Psychologist and Coach. So we should start with some introductions. Amantha, over to you. Kick well, off. Thank you, Lisa. Well, um, my name is Amantha King and I'm the coach. I'm um a development consultant, an NLP coach, um, really I'm in the business of people um, and whether that's in the workplace, out of the workplace, singularly or as teams, I'm really passionate about people. So, so coaching's my bag. So that's me, Lisa. Cool. Um, and I have a very simple mantra, which is get people right, get business right. Um, I'm all about putting a human factor back into business by focusing on um, what organisations can do to help people feel well and happy and able to perform um i get beyond the tick boxes of um and and help people get a more personalized um approach to um leadership and all things culture and mental well-being and so on um and we are pinching and i think this shows our age actually the idea of ruby wax um and i mentioned her name the other day to someone they're like who so uh, this is definitely an age thing. But Ruby Wax wrote a book called How to Be Human with a Neuroscientist and a Monk. And you and I, Amantha, are looking at aspects of mental health through the lens of a psychologist and a coach. So we should probably start with why. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's like Simon Sinek says, you know, when you know what your why is, everything else flows from that. So, um, so why are we doing it? Well, it's Probably because we chat a lot, don't we, Lisa? And we it became apparent to us that we actually have a shared passion um, around mental health. Um, you know, we're really interested in mental well-being, and and that's something that's been a you know certainly part of my life for a very very long time. So to meet someone else who shares that passion, it's been been brilliant. So I would say that would probably be the first thing. What else do we have we done together? Well, I think actually the being part of the Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce Mental Health Steering Group, um, where where we have all those conversations, and I think for us that became the real catalyst. And then during the lockdown, um, during the pandemic, it really amplified um, the volume on on all things mental health. And I think you and I have been kind of working in the background on this for quite a long time, and suddenly it came to the 
the four and everyone was like, right, actually, we do need to, to focus on this a little bit more. Um, and I think for you and I, we've often talked about um, that kind of bridging the gap between what people know they should be doing and what they hear about we should be doing or they read about we should be doing and actually having the confidence to do it because there's the kind of knowing and then there's the bit about, okay, so how do I have those conversations or what is it I'm actually looking for or what is it I'm actually doing um, that makes a difference either for myself or the, or the people around me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that because the point is there's so much information out there, isn't, mm. isn't there? And I, I think it can all, almost cause paralysis for people. It's like, okay, I've got a sense of I need to do something, but actually where do I start? What do I look for? Where do I go for credible support? And we both felt that actually from our baseline positions as a psychologist, as a, as a coach, and both in the workplace, we thought that actually would be really good to actually pull pull that knowledge in a way that makes it much much more user friendly for people and there were common themes from our work so you know we would we would be having lots of these these discussions offline over a, a drink and we would be saying actually no this would be really really helpful but actually in our own way I think we bring that unique sort of personalization to it so we can we can make it more relevant to people because we are seeing such diverse people through our work and we can actually make, make those adjustments for people as well saying well actually you could try a bit of this and you could try a bit of that um and we felt that that could be really really useful yeah. uh, I think that's a, that's a really important point that that personalization and how people again it comes back to having the confidence to make the adjustments to fit their particular context because there's again you know there's so much information around but you don't there's not there's no such thing as one size fits all and so again it's about recognizing and having the confidence to take kind of key ideas about you know whether it's about knowledge about a particular aspect of mental health or what we should be doing or not doing and they're thinking okay how do we make this relevant to this particular scenario um, and like you say we have these conversations day in day out and um, I think it was I think it might have been last year I launched um, a service called HR SOS based on the fact that HR people were just picking up the phone to me um, and just saying kind of almost off the record like I'm not going to mention anyone's names um, but I just need some help I've got someone in my company who is experiencing X, Y, or Z. I'm not really sure what the best things to say or what the best things to do and we all need someone don't we who just you can just have that conversation with and it's not a it's not a big deal it's just being able to check out with with someone what's what's going on I think that's how we've designed this whole collective Yes, and, and that's just it, isn't it? It does what it says on the tin, the Resilience Collective, because resilience is not just for the person experiencing issues with their mental health or well-being. It's about the person who's offering support as well. Mm. So resilience is, 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 is like almost the currency between people, you know, what you give, what you take, what you share. So that's, that's a really, really important point. So here's a good question for you, Mantha. What makes this different? <laughs> So lots of people will be thinking about the fact that um, there is loads out there now in the public domain around all sorts of aspects of mental health and what people should be doing and what they should know. What what makes what you and I have put together different to just what's already out there? So I would say the foundational pieces are we're both specialists in our areas, mm. both 
experts in our areas and I don't say that lightly and I don't say that with an ego either but you know I don't know between us Lisa there must be nearly 40 years of experience Mm. or I would say Mm. Um, we're in the business of people and that's really important to us and we get up every day to do that Um, I think we genuinely have an interest for it if I'm not on a call I'm reading about stuff Um, I'm constantly updating that knowledge but I think what our hope and intention is is usability you know, I've got books on my shelf, I can honestly tell you, I probably haven't read most of them front to back. But actually, what I do do is take the bits that are really helpful, and I put them into my toolkit and my repertoire, Mm. that I bring to to everything that I do. And I know you will be absolutely Mm. the same. But what we want to recognise is that people are time poor. So actually, having the wherewithal to sit down or go and find this information can be quite hard, doesn't matter how motivated you are to do it. So we want to acknowledge that in 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 this day and age. So what we've done is we've done the hard work. So we've gone and captured it all for you in 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 a way that means it's manageable for you. It's motivating. It's in a bite sized format, and it's a collective. So it does what it says. You can collect it. So I think I think it's that that specialism, interest, and fostering that resilience for people. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the fact we're having conversations like this, so each, um, I mean, in a moment, we'll go through what the the different areas are, each specific aspect that we're going to be focusing on is going to have you and I talking in depth about that particular um, area of focus. We might have some guests on who are going to be joining us to talk about it from a company perspective. We've got uh, written resources, so um, much more comprehensive document that people can dip in and out of as you say which kind of gives you the facts that you know what is it that people need to know about what are the kind of key points that people need to know about and what are the really practical things that people can take away and they're going to be lots and lots of really just practical ideas it's a bit like a handbook isn't it it's that kind of like this is the thing I'm stuck with what is it I actually need to know and what can I do about it without having to go through some big kind of process or trying to reach out and trying to find the right person it's there in black and white and um and I think that with some of the tools that are going to be you know there might be some resources we signpost people to it should be a kind of it should be a really good place that people can go to to hear us watch us if that's what people prefer to help they prefer to access their information or to go and read about it absolutely and I can attest to this that actually the resources it, it make yourself a nice big cup of tea or coffee and by the time you finished it you'll have got you'll have had that resource under your belt and and assimilated that and complementing it with with you know what what we're going to talk to you about next but yeah it's absolutely that we wanted it to be useful to people not something that gathers dust on the shelf but something for the here and now and beyond uh so yeah very exciting and we should also say it's completely free to download everything's everything's going to be free um and um, and also then if people want to check stuff out they can just contact us and say I don't know what you mean by this or I've tried that it's not really working and it's that um, it's just it's kind of almost like having us there holding someone's hand and just saying yeah. have you tried this have you thought about that um, which is which is also I think the benefit of people hearing us talk on this because they realize we're just human beings who uh, who are quite good at chatting <laughs> exactly and and coming I guess to that question of who's it for we Mm. wanted this to be accessible didn't we because maybe some people think that that they can't access us you know because social media does have that capacity as Mm. well doesn't it it sort of could create an image that you're not accessible nothing could be further from the truth with Lisa and I we are totally accessible but we wanted to get give you some access to us and this, this is a great way to do it so shall we say who it's for 
Yes. And this is a really interesting one, I think, because you and I have gone around in circles about with this. Like I remember having a conversation ages ago again, right? This is for people who help people. So this is for people who are looking after in some capacity, other people. So it might be people who are managers or who are in HR. Um, so who have some responsibility for looking after other people. But it's not just those, is it? It's like, it's everyone. And I know that's something you're really passionate about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I, through the research that I've done for, for this process, the Resilience Collective, it actually really opened my eyes to think that actually we're all on this journey. You know, that phrase, this journey, we are all on a continuum with our mental health you know and there are times we can enjoy that good mental health and at times that we may have challenges that take us down to the other end of the spectrum but actually I think the more we can all come with an appreciation of it I think that informs how we support people going forward mm. um so I think the two things marry really nicely together don't they we both see people on one-to-ones we both see people in, in collectives or in teams or in whole organizations and workplaces so actually this isn't everyone mm. opportunity yeah so what are we covering? Well, we have got a number of um, different resources. We call them resources. I don't really know what we're, what we're, what we're technically calling sessions. them. But... Sessions. I mean, think Jules Holland. But, you know, you know, Jules Holland's put on a session, doesn't he, with a piano and an orchestra? I are mean, we going to start we're... singing? Yeah, we'll do, we're doing a session. Well, let's not, let's not, let's not over-promise, right? <laughs> but um, it'll be memorable nonetheless. But the sessions, we've got the sessions because they perform our collective. Okay, perfect. Right. So the sessions, we have got stress, the good, the bad, and the how to get the elephant out of the room. That's yeah. going to be followed up by depression and anxiety. So effective strategies for nurturing the black dog. Then we've got addiction, unveiling the shadows to understand the complexity and to provide support. Then we have self-harm disorders and phobias, which is the suffering we don't see, dispelling the myths and shaping helpful solutions. And then finally, we have educating our workforce. So it's preparing the next generation for good mental health quite comprehensive we could go on I mean this could be there could be lots more sessions but it's a good start absolutely and who knows let's see what the appetite is like for it but we did want it to tell a story because the, the you know we we you know where do you start with mental health mm. what we started with with stress is that we know for a lot of people if you have any long protracted period of stress there is a higher chance that it is going to lead into depression anxiety addiction self-harm etc um but then ending that story you know how do we arm the next generation how do we prepare the next generation and that is very much that educational piece not just um young people in our schools uh people exiting our schools going into college etc but people new people we're bringing into the organization apprentices mm. um people working their way through the organization so we wanted to very much tell that story because i think sometimes we use this very big heading of mental health or well-being and we lose people because people mm. go that's not to do with me when in mm. fact it, it could be. And there are so many conversations I've had with people about that term mental health. It just doesn't sit well with them or the people that who are in their organisation or in their family or whoever. And it's like, it doesn't matter what language you use as long as you're having the conversation, as long as the language isn't offensive. But you know what, even on that, people say, well, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say or not allowed to say anymore. Well, you know, it's that sense of if, if you start having the conversation and if you're not sure about something, you just say, I'm hoping I don't get this wrong, um, but I want to ask about such and such. 
as long as your intention is good I don't think you can ever go wrong it's just how it's made it's having the confidence to, to put it out there definitely so our plan is that well we're we're kind of we've been guided by um stress awareness day on the which is on the 1st of november and we so we have the first released date for um which is all about stress on the 13th friday the 13th lucky for some yes definitely <laughs> um and we've got some we'll be releasing that on friday the 13th and it we've done that deliberately to give people a chance to listen to the conversation we have um check out some of the resources that we provide and give people a bit of chance a bit of time to prepare what they're going to do for the first of November and beyond and I say the beyond bit because it really grates with me when people do something amazing for one day and then they're like right done stress tick that box we can now move on and get back to our normal life <laughs> so um so we're, we're hoping um to coincide with that and, and get the ball rolling um so maybe we should actually it goes back a bit to the why when we when we were talking about mental health quite a while ago probably during the pandemic and we were talking about you know why the big interest in mental health and where's it come from uh, where are we at now? What's it going to look like in the future? And you produced some lovely ideas, um, which I love because it's around the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. And I just thought it's such a nice way of being able to frame and just, and just think about mental health in a much more story-like approach, which, you know, appeals to people. So should we start with looking at the past in terms of where have we come from a little yeah. bit and not in it not in immense detail because no. I know you you have done lots of reading in this area but just setting the scene yeah I mean I didn't I didn't know that I was going to quite love it so much writing about this uh, and it really has ticked a few boxes for me but you know I'm a scientist at heart for those that don't know me um, it's all rooted in evidence facts and data um, but we've been, you know, mental health has not just popped up in the last 50 or 100 years. It's been a long time coming, you know, from as early as the 17th century or and beyond before that. In fact, you know, people were looking at the sorts of fluids you had and did, trying to determine how you were feeling. And they call them humours and things. So that was quite an interesting thing. It's like, right, OK, so that's fairly basic. Um, you know, and medicine and psychology never, never intertwined. Uh, those were two very, very distinct subjects and mm. they had their own opinions about things and there was never ever a, a coming together um which is i would say there is much more of that now isn't there the psychology the, the medicalizing some would say maybe not enough still of that coming together but um you know i think for me the bit that i found most exciting and there's probably not a week that i don't mention the mad hatter's tea party which i i quite like actually that and the wizard of oz um mm. um but it goes something like this. So Lewis Carroll, who actually wrote Alice's Adventures in Wonderlands in 1865, can you believe? And then he did his follow-up sequel through the looking glass in 1871. It's really, um, it's a really um, almost like um, an ode to how well the Victorians were dealing with mental health issues. I know that sometimes it's very easy to land on these sound bites that, you know, all the Victorians did was come up with things like asylums. It's so much more than that. And what I found out in my research was that actually they were they were really looking after people. They were taking people off the streets 
who really were were struggling. The king himself at the time, people were talking at dinner parties about how the king was actually struggling with his mental health. Um, bipolarism was very much uh, a topic of conversation for people. Um, and what they found was that Lewis Carroll had very, very cleverly reflected this in the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. So what do you remember about the Mad Hatter's Tea Party from the book, Alice in Wonderland? Just how, uh, it's really interesting because my son is, um, his school are putting a production together on Alice in Wonderland. So we have been watching and reading this recently and it just, it just seems um, very, very mad. There's just so many different things going on and it's trying to make sense of all the different characters and what they're bringing and just the lack of understanding. And it's just, this is chaos, just feels like utter chaos. It's absolute, and it's technicolor chaos, isn't it? Because when you actually watch the film, it's so brightly coloured. Mm. The colours are so vivid and so are the characters. But actually on some level, everyone's looking at the, everyone except Alice thinking, there's a problem there for everybody around mm. that table. But actually, what about Alice herself? Mm. Um, and so what Lewis Carroll did very, very cleverly is he's addressing the mental health continuum through through that story. And, you know, there are characters there playing out char characterization of eating disorders, general anxiety disorder, borderline personality disorder, attention de de deficit. You've got insomnia and hyperactivity disorder. So it's all there. Mm. And then and then obviously Alice, who then comes across the caterpillar, who asks her a very, very important question. And he says, who are you? And Alice is sort of like completely lost by that. And how many of us today can answer that question? Mm. Who am I? Mm. You know, who am I without the badges, the titles? Who am I without the stress that I have at work? Who am I without some of these, you know, difficult relationships or the difficult conversations I'm having? I think it's more so than ever, we've lost sight of who we are. But because Lewis Carroll was writing about that at that time, actually, the Victorians really invested a lot of time and effort in actually helping people to help themselves. And what they did was they took them out off the streets they put them in asylums and they brought them back to good health. Why? Because they quickly understood that actually we can get people back to work. We can get them being productive. We can get them contributing to society. Um, and that continued for a number of years afterwards. And, and actually, as a scientist, if you actually plotted how quickly they were making progress and extrapolated that, there was massive potential like like huge it was mm. changing so quickly they were updating things really quickly and um, things like looking after people you know people's rights welfare all of these things were making a big difference what do we do to stop people coming back or or sliding back down that continuum and then it all just seemed to come to a grinding halt mm. and I was like going through my research going this is great this is amazing where are we going with this and then oh Actually, it's come to a really blunt stop. And so that's where the past, you know, having done this research, it just is apparent that that connectivity stopped. And what happened was the social reform system and the medical system just massively moved apart from one another. Mm -hmm. Which I think is, yeah, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? How, I know I, I talk so much about joining the dots and I know you're someone who's like actually you've just got to pull everything back together and I think that's just a great example of how 
when things are joined up, amazing things happen. But when you separate stuff off into their separate silos, that connectivity just gets lost and you just can't make as much progress. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I agree. It's the systems that fail. Mm. You know, the, the aspiration, you know, you, you cannot fault the people who turn up every day to sort of assist people with their mental health. There is the desire and the will there. But if you don't have the systems to support those people or the processes to support them, mm. you really aren't going anywhere, anywhere fast. And and I think that was the bit that I, I felt most despondent about and saddest about, you know, when we look at how we're failing the next generation. So looking at uh, possibly CAM services, you know, mm. mental health waiting lists, more than 18 months in some regions. It's just it's unimaginable isn't it yeah and I think you know I I consciously a few years ago made um a real shift in how I worked because I worked wearing because my psychotherapy hat did lots of stuff in the mental health space but then people very quick to put you in that gap of where you just deal with depression and anxiety and and so on it's like actually no what I'm really interested in is joining the dots and looking at the bigger picture so looking at that system and it's not all about having, um, you know, mental health first aiders um, to sort out when there are problems happening. And even those people who are who have had some training and are there for the right reasons. I remember having a conversation with John Holland, who was like, yeah, it's on top, that's on top of my normal day job. So that goes back to that kind of processes. But like, actually, if you're if, if people are really serious about making a difference in this space, we need to look at how we are supporting what what are the processes what are the systems that mean that people can really fulfill that role and that intention to look after others so for a mental health first aider for example what space do they have and how do they go about their fulfilling their role how do they know it makes a difference so looking at the much bigger picture um but i think that whole that whole bit about looking at individual needs and looking at mental health problems or ill health actually just take a step back and I think that's where we're at now in a lot of companies saying actually we need to look at our, what our culture looks like we need to look at whether people feel safe to be themselves at work can they show up and be authentic or they having to wear a mask or they have to keep their mouth shut about what's really going on because they're fearful of what might happen um you know am I able to uh speak up about how I feel you know what what's your what's that kind of the the feel of a company and what's the culture like? And that comes from leadership, that comes from management. And it's much more about that big scene, that big picture, rather than let's look at who is struggling with um, eating disorders or who is struggling with whatever other aspect of mental health. So I think that this we've kind of got to a different place now where it's much more big picture. But then I worry that people have got slightly lost in terms of how do we make a difference now? What does that you know, mental health, workplace culture is always big, kind of quite vague um, concepts. Like how, where am I actually zooming in? Like, where am I getting involved? What am I, what difference am I actually making? And I think that could be quite overwhelming. And as you say, as you said earlier on, it's a bit like paralyzing. I don't know where to, where to start. So I'm, I don't do anything. Yeah. And, and that's exactly right, isn't it? Because, I mean, you and I both know, Lisa, that not everyone takes up their EAP programme because mm. there is still stigma 
and people don't want other people knowing uh, so that's a cultural piece mm. and so this is what we what we don't want is for people to go that's not relevant to me because my mental health's all okay actually you don't necessarily know that you only mm. know what you know mm. um what we're hoping to do is to spotlight things so that you can actually see okay where are the gaps if not with me with my organization is there still a degree of stigma are people not willing to uh, raise their hand you know what are we doing to support the conversations if mm. we're only ever doing something on world mental health day it's not really supporting the process um and and that's what i come back to which is the victorians actually thought Do you know what this is not good enough and i think if we could get back to a little bit of that it's not good enough what what are we doing to support people where could it be better um actually how in how much are you involving people in what great mental health great well-being looks like in your organization and where's your proof mm. you know, i think i think i would like to see much more of that too because we get the whole mental health washing menopause washing whatever you want to call it and honestly i'm tired of it uh, because the reality is you and i are busier than ever with one-to-ones of people circumnavigating their workplace culture and going i actually need some help but i'm not willing to disclose it in the workplace and and so i think i think we need to do better is what I, i'm saying yeah i like that i agree with that because i think um people are almost being turned off about the term mental health because they're like oh my gosh we've just been talking about this since the pandemic that's all anyone seems to talk about and I was like yeah but actually I'm not seeing a huge change in practice and so people might be talking about it more but actually is it making a difference and like you being kind of sciencey um and being driven by data actually if you're going to do something you need to know it makes a difference so it would be great if people could use what we're talking about to think are we doing this stuff in our organization how well are we doing this stuff in our organization what are we doing that actually isn't making any difference so we could just get rid of it because there'll be a whole load of stuff <laughs> every time I talk to people in the companies they're like oh we got this initiative and that initiative we've got this shiny new thing we bought on it's like is it making a difference if it's not do something about that so it is effective or just get rid of it and go back to basics and actually just for me having great conversations knowing what isn't isn't okay to say and just normalizing conversations about um how we how we feel how we're showing up whether you want to talk about mental health whether you want to just talk about how people what their experience is right now and what they need in order to be able to thrive um in in their life in work and if we just go start from that that place if people don't want to talk about mental health per se that's still progress for some people definitely definitely and coming back to that uh, you know that whole point about you know medics the nhs you know they are overwhelmed already that mm. is we should not be seeing that as the first point of call or port of call for people it's actually about actually if someone's struggling with their stress in work we need to understand is that because of the job is it because of the manager is it because of the level of expectation is it because someone's in a position that they're not capable of actually delivering on mm. so, uh, so we need to sort of take own that responsibility um unburden the nhs quite honestly as well and um, there's so much we can do to keep people in terms of that continuum keeping them in that healthy range mm. whereby they're they're flourishing they're thriving in their lives and you know i'm sure as we go through the sessions we'll talk more about that but actually let's make it less clinical 
you know we're not in a clinical setting in the workplace we're in the workplace yeah. so we need to talk about how you know what do we need to do to help you thrive at work what yeah. do we need to do to actually turn down the stress you know are there pockets of stress in your role so I think the reality is let's take back responsibility it's our responsibility to look after our most important asset in the workplace and that's our people yeah. it's not about getting every ounce out of them what are we giving them back yeah. because I can honestly tell you people as you know Lisa they don't come to work necessarily just for the money they come for the belonging they come for the culture they come for the experience they come for the energy it's not all about the money and actually in this day and age when people can literally leave and be in their next job within 48 hours mm. we need to wake up to that idea that actually we will keep so many more experienced people and benefit mm. this is not a nice to do it is actually part of uh, remaining a productive and profitable company that values their people so sorry it's a bit soapboxy that little bit but that that is the reality of it if you really if you're going to go to the trouble of onboarding these people put double the effort into keeping them meeting their emotional needs just yeah. just focusing on that and and i'm i'm also slightly drawing you on your soapbox it's just a bit fed up of people talking about bottom line it's actually let's talk about people just being human let's talk about the kind of just the the moral case for this in terms of if you treat people well then they are more likely to stick around you know yes. that's your bottom line so um and and by treating people well that's just about being curious about how they really are and taking that time and I think for me it's about changing people's focus in terms of pushing harder going faster and kind of business head on and just thinking actually slow down strip back complexity and find out what might be getting in the way of someone being able to show up and being able to feel good about what they're doing or who they are or um you know whatever their experience is um and it reminds me of um the sleep webinar that you and I were both on recently for the Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce and you know talking about actually a lot of people don't sleep particularly well on Sunday night so that's kind of Sunday night blues and I remember being part of a working group for investors and people who have been looking at this and producing toolkits around this and where companies just recognize the fact that they lots of people in their company will be struggling to sleep on a Sunday night because of what they've got coming up in the week or perhaps specifically on the Monday so why not ask people how was your sleep and do you do you have a do you experience Sunday night blues and if so why and then what can we do about it again knowing the link between sleep struggles sleep deprivation and mental health and performance and productivity and relationships and everything else so this is I like what you said about this is not about a clinical conversation this for me it's about human conversation it's just about being genuinely curious and being very authentic saying I don't I'm not an expert in whatever we're talking about you know it might be OCD or it might be depression or whatever tell me your experience tell me what I can do to help by the way I've got some ideas because I've listened to Amantha and Lisa talk about it and I've got their their ideas but actually I want to hear from you as well and it goes back to what you were saying at the start about personalization I can I can have kind of ideas but I need to know as an individual what makes the difference for you and what's your experience like so if we if we just start from that human perspective I think the future of mental health will be a lot better absolutely absolutely and I think that that's 
such a big part of this conversation, isn't it? Because uh, they'll be heaving bookshelves about mental health and stuff. Go go look at those if you want the clinical aspects on it. Mm. We're not we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on that human element, um, enriching people's experiences. And actually, you will up your skills. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And like Lisa says, just taking that human approach. Often we imagine these things are more complex than they need to be. But if I said to most people in work, could you have a return to work conversation or could you have a maternity leave conversation? Most people go, yeah. Yeah, this is no different. This is no different, you know. Um, mm. If you can bring compassion, kindness, uh, interest, you're already off the starting blocks, as far as I'm concerned. Um, this is just gonna just supercharge your running style. Um, but it's not about getting across the finishing line. It's actually about the style of finesse with which you run that race. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's a really different conversation. It's not the same old same old what mm. you'll get with us you and I Lisa are very action orientated people mm. I think it's important that people understand that mm. as a psychologist and as a coach we're always thinking of where do we want to get people to yes. so I think it's important that people know that that's what they're going to get with us yeah. you'll get an end point and we encourage you to bring your own unique style to it yeah on that note if people want to I should change that if because people are going to want to listen to us and they're going to want to find out more about what kicking off with stress um what should people do in terms of being able to access the recording of us being able to um talking about stress with our guests and actually some of the resources so the obvious one will be to follow us on linkedin and definitely yeah. that ring that little bell i love that ring you that bell. ring that. that bell i should have had my bell in here with us um but yeah ring ring that bell because you'll just get notifications and, we, and lisa and i are very good at putting stuff out very very regularly but then you won't miss this mm. but maybe what we could say to people is just the frequency they're pretty much going to be coming every month every sort of yeah. four weeks aren't they lisa um what else can we say to people about we are going to use the hashtag the resilience collective hashtag resi the resilience collective not resilient because really and we really labored about this didn't we, we? Did. we we're going to say resilient or resilience but we we wanted to keep it in the present tense so as so a resilience as a behavior mm. uh, so it's the resilience collective so watch out for that or if you can't if you don't if you miss a notification put the hashtag in and we'll we will pop up exactly and um i would also urge people just to share the this conversation this recording or any others uh, or any resources that we put out with people who they think might be interested and I think that goes full circle back to what we were talking about earlier on about this is aimed originally we were setting this up for companies to be able to for people who look after people but actually we have slightly changed that now because it's just relevant for everybody. So if you know that someone is experiencing some challenges in the particular area that we are talking about, um, then share it. If there are, if you've got people who work in a particular role and you know that they are looking after other people who are experiencing some of these needs, then share it. So it's really, you and I are super passionate, which is why we ha also had the conversation about is this free? Is this not free? And whatever, like, just get it out there. Literally just get it out there for people to be able to share and to be able to access so that it can start making a difference. Um, that's what we're most keen about. Absolutely. And shameless plug. I mean, clearly, uh, Lisa and I do speak a lot for, 
for corporate companies. We work inside corporate companies as well. Small businesses, large businesses. If you'd like to take it to the next level, then obviously we would be very willing to explore actually how we can help you even further with these things through 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 knowledge. Um, so yeah, not to be a stranger. Um, turn up show up you know in whichever way suits you and you can watch it back at, at your own leisure we just wanted to make it accessible i think that's the biggest message we can give yeah. to people very excited super excited this has been a long time coming you and i've been having so many conversations about this for such a long time and actually the fact that we are recording this conversation means it's actually happening which i'm very very excited about um so thank you amantha thank you lisa and uh we will speak again next month yeah that could be our sign off it's goodbye from me goodbye <laughs> from you <laughs> we'll practice that one we'll practice that we we'll promise right the next one. We'll, pra we'll practice that we we're not performers we're professionals that's what we are nice way to finish awesome All thank right. you very much thank you i hope you enjoyed the conversation today I invite you to think about one thing that you will take away to think about or do differently. I'd be really grateful if you can give me a thumbs up on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for an extra brownie point, leave me a short review. I'm really keen to help drive real change for better practice in the world of people at work and spreading the message will help that. I'd love you to also join the club to stay in the loop and be the first to hear about exciting things that I'm developing, including free downloadable resources please do reach out to me directly to discuss the topics covered on this podcast or perhaps other challenges around people at work. And if we're not already acquainted on LinkedIn, please connect. All the links you need are in the show notes. So until next time, bye for now.